Camille Adams, lane number four, the 22-year-old from Cypress, Texas, coming to the wall. And it will be Camille Adams getting the win in the women's 200-meter butterfly final. Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And hey, as somebody who will try to watch every second of every Olympic Games, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to be joined by a two-time Olympian in the 200 Butterfly who also happens to be a native Houstonian and a Texas A&M alum. I'm talking about former Cywoods Wildcat Camille Adams. And I, I can't thank you enough for doing this in this crazy time, Camille. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Robert. I'm so excited to join you guys. I know you called it a career uh, a couple of years ago, but I got to ask, are you in touch with any of the current Team USA swimmers training for Tokyo? And if so, do you have any idea what it's kind of been like for them right now? I know. Yeah, I do. Actually, I stay in pretty good contact with a lot of the swimmers. Allison Schmidt was one of my best friends when I was on the team. And so definitely been like chatting with her and checking in and, and that sort of thing. So, you know, I think at least for swimming, you know, everyone's just really trying to been like making the most of the situation, I guess. There's really not a ton of time. I mean, we can do a dry land stuff, but as far as like in water, no one's really swimming in their backyards right now. Um, <laughs> you know, so, you know, they're just trying to make the most of the situation. And then I think adding on another year, especially for some people that were already getting a little bit older or, you know, they had really, you know, they're kind of counting down the days. I definitely think it's going to be a little bit of a mental mindset shift. But I think for the most part, people are just really excited to continue swimming and, and make the most of the situation. I know you started uh, swim schools for kids around Houston called Save Splash. And I'm going to circle back to that a little bit later. But if if you go back to your childhood days, I understand even though your dad swam in college at Lamar and was an instructor, you said you weren't exactly a natural swimmer as a kid, right? Yeah, a little bit. So my dad is actually a coach and has been a coach my entire life. So he started coaching when he was like 18 or 19 years old and is still coaching, um, which is just how my sister, I have a twin sister. So it's how we got into the sport. Um, and other Olympians, national team members, high levels, um, you know, swimmers in general have tried a lot of other sports. Um, for me, just because my dad already had the background in it and for my sister as well, we never really wanted to try anything else. And so swimming is just kind of like, what stuck and it was just in our blood. Um, and so, yeah, I think definitely like growing up being younger, you know, wasn't always the best, best swimmer. Um, but obviously really enjoyed it for me. It was so much about the community of it and, and the friendships and things like that. Um, and so I think that's what, what got me so interested and wanted to, you know, eventually make a career out of it is just like the lifelong friends and, and relationships that I've made through the sport. Do you feel like sometimes when you're at the Olympics, you're like, well, I just was that person that didn't quit doing this and just kept putting in the effort? Because I know when I was a kid, I was in gymnastics here in Houston when I was about seven years old. And I stopped at about, you know, nine or 10 years. I did it for about two or three years and I was doing state wide stuff, but it just wasn't a big enough thing for me. But one of the guys that I started off with when I was seven years old he ends up in the 1996 Olympics. So it, it, it's yeah. possible that you just, you're not exactly the biggest person or the strongest person that, that comes out of it, but it's just the person that just doesn't quit. Yeah, I think so. I think a little bit of that is, um, you know, my, I really do enjoy doing difficult things and challenging things. That's just part of my personality, especially being on the, uh, this, the, the distance swimming side of things, but then also like the butterfly side of things. I feel like butterfly is probably the hardest stroke to train and, and that sort of thing. And so I just always really enjoyed that. Um, and then it was fun for me to 
like set goals as a kid and continuing to strive to be better in the water, better out of the water and all those types of things. And so, um, for me, you know, swimming gave me so many opportunities, um, to just grow as a person. And I think that's really what made me the person I am today is so many of those lessons that I learned about like dedication and, you know, (laughs) you can go a little crazy staring at a black line for so many hours, um, a day, but you become really mentally tough. And so I think some of those types of things have transitioned really well into what I call like regular life, real life, um, post swimming and, and re- post retirement and all that type, type of thing. But, um, yeah, I definitely think, um, you know, the grind, I guess of it after so many years, you either get better or you don't. <laughs> um, and for me, luckily it worked out. And you just finished uh, fifth at the one in the 100 meter fly at the state high school meet when you were at Woods. Is that right? Yeah, I think. Oh my gosh, I'd have to go back and look. I, I know I won state in the hundred or maybe in the 500 free. I won state my senior year, but yeah. So definitely, I swam. I only swam my for the high school my freshman year and my senior year, um, which is kind of how my training schedule worked and my travel schedule worked. Um, I was traveling a lot with um, the USA Swimming Junior National Team, so you know I was trying to factor it. In, in those trips and training schedules for those as well. Um, so it just happened to work out that I only swam those two years, but that was also such a fun experience for me. And swimming in high school was definitely more of a team atmosphere and, you know, a lot less pressure um, and just more fun, if anything else, which was a cool way for me to be involved within the, you know, within the school program. Um, so, yeah. So what is it like uh, to be in the Olympic trials? Because I remember you did it. It it seemed like nothing was bothering you if you're looking on. And what were you feeling before that race at at age 20 to know that you've got this one shot in four years to make the Olympic team? Yeah. Um, So I actually was my first Olympic trials in 2008. So I was I I was like 16 years old and um, ended up placing 17th. So didn't even get a second swim. And I really went more for experience and to just like learn the meet and be there and just kind of take in the surroundings and that sort of thing. And it's such a big meet, so much bigger than any of the other nationals or anything like that. And so it was just such a good opportunity for me to go and learn. And I was obviously super bummed that I didn't get a second swim, but, um, you know, only being 16 years old, I think I, it was such a good learning experience for me. Um, fast forwarding four years later and then going into being like the number one, number two, 200 butterflyer in the country at the time. And really just trying to recall some of those things that I had learned when I was 16 about that meet specifically and, you know, watching other people and watching their careers and watching, you know, what the veterans were doing and that sort of thing. And just watching the top of the top, um, swimmers and just really learning from them. And so I think it only helped me going into the 2012 games and just helped me be confident about, you know, what to expect and what the nerves would be like and, and all those, you know, what the, the stands and the fans and, um, you know, it's just such a bigger stage. And so for me, I think it only really helps me. So then in 2012, obviously being like the top first or second, I was super nervous, um, but knew, you know, I had a decent shot at making the team and, um, was really just excited to race. Um, I remember that's probably one of the most excited as far as like energy wise, I wasn't super, super nervous. Like I was in London, London. I, that's the most nervous I've probably ever, or ever will be in my entire life. Um, 
but at the trials, I just thought it was so fun. And, you know, it was so exciting for me to represent Texas A&M and have my entire teammates there um, supporting me. And there was quite a few Aggies that made it. And so it was just a really fun experience to do that with my team there. And so, yeah, so two, obviously, between 2008 and 2012, two completely different experiences, but also extremely fun. And it was it, it was cool how they kind of intertwined together. Well, Adams kind of with that tilted head breath can see to her left. She can't see to the right right now, but you know that she can kind of feel that wall and she's going to win it. Is there any way to explain to non-Olympians and non-twins that moment when you mention your sister, Ashley, your twin, and you start screaming her name as soon as the race is over with? What's it like that moment when you're screaming her name and she's coming to, to, uh, you know, coming up to you and, and all excited? Yeah, I think um, I tell people all the time, like being a twin is probably one of the greatest gifts that God could have given me. It's such a cool bond that we have and we still have. And um, she actually was swimming at Texas A&M at the time as well. And so it was just, I think for her, she kind of knew that maybe the Olympics was never in the cards for her, but she was so on, on board with, with me and cheering for me and probably wanted it more for me than almost I wanted for myself, if that even makes sense. And so, like I said, it was just a really cool experience. And then also for my dad as well, just, you know, having the swim background that he does. And then my mom is like the best swim mom you could ever have and ever imagine to have. And so um, with our little family and stuff, it was just a really, really cool experience for, for all four of us, I think. And I think each of us kind of handled it a little differently. I think my mom was probably the most nervous. My dad was probably the most confident. And then my sister and I were just excited. We were just like, we're just, you know, here to have a good time and hopefully make the team. <laughs> um, and so we all kind of had our own little spins on it in 2012. Yeah, that's fantastic. And, and hey, I just met you and this is crazy, but tell yeah. me anything about the Call Me Maybe video. I mean, if I need something to put me in a good mood, I pull it up on YouTube and, and the video just oh always puts a happy, happy uh, so funny. face on me, you know? I know. Yeah, I totally know. Um, I still can't listen to that song. Um, we listened to it so <laughs> many times. Um, no, I just think that... Um, you know, that month or so, four and a half weeks between trials and the Olympics is just such an intense time. And everybody is so intense and very methodical and very, um, you know, they have their training plans very thought out and everything has a purpose. And, and so I think, you know, things like that, like the call me maybe video, you know, was just really a chance for everybody to just kind of like let their hair down and just realize that, you know, we're all just humans and just gave everybody a chance to a get to know each other. You know, for some, there was a lot of rookies on that team. And so it was nice for everybody just to put some of the serious stuff aside, you know, outside of practice and just really just meet each other and then get to know each other. So it was a super fun experience, I think, for everybody to kind of do that and and have that all together. But like I said, I I still can't listen to the song (laughs) just too many, too many times. (laughs) I heard it was a little bit hard to get some of the boys into it. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm. Yeah, absolutely. I think. But, you know, I think I think the ones that did, you know, they were all all on board, (laughs) as I'm sure you could tell in the video. (laughs) Yeah, they they were having a blast. Uh, What was it like to be a part of that 2012 team? Because my sense, you know, when you're watching the Olympics, I guess over all the years, because I've been watching since 1980, that this was maybe the best team 
The best USA swim team ever. 49 medals altogether. The names are just ubiquitous for everybody that follows swimming. Phelps, Lochte, Ledecky, Missy Franklin, Dana Vollmer, Nathan Adrian, Natalie Coglin, and on and on. Uh, you know, what, what was it like to be a part of th- that whole team? Yeah. So a little bit about like my history and, and leading up to that point is similar to like other Olympians play other sports. Uh, most other national teamers and Olympians, when they go and they make their first Olympic team, they've made a world championships or Pan Ams or Pan Packs or other national meets before just the Olympic Games. And I had not. Um, so in January of 2012, I dropped about like three, three and a half seconds. That put me from like seventh or eighth in the country to first or second. And so um, having not ever made another team, you know, I remember in 2008, you know, like watching Michael Phelps on TV and being like, that's so cool. And watching Ryan and, and that and all that kind of Natalie Coughlin and all that stuff. And just, you know, really being Caitlin Sandineau, you know, all those people and being like, wow, this is so cool. And so to all of a sudden look around and be in the room with them and be putting on the same cap as them. And, you know, in 10 team meetings and practices with some of my heroes was one of the coolest experiences. And so for me, you know, I was kind of like really trying to take it in, trying to do a lot of watching on what other people were doing and and just really learning. I definitely just had complete wide eyes the entire time and just trying to take in as much as I could and learn as fast as I could in 2012. And so for me, by the time I got to the games, obviously completely different all, all around than experience and the trials. The trials is actually, I think most people would say way more nerve wracking, way more anxiety than the Olympic Games because the Olympic Games is kind of just the cherry on top. You've made it. Now you just want to like have fun and do the absolute best you can. Um, and so I was really fortunate enough to have Kathleen Hersey as kind of like a mentor. And so she was the other junior butterfly and she swam at Texas um, at the time. And she really took me under her wing and, you know, was like, this is what it's going to feel like. It's going to be the most nervous you've ever been in your entire life. You know, this is the fans are going to be louder than you've ever experienced, you know, all those types of things. And she was just by my side the entire time. So, you know, I can't thank her enough. She is literally, she kind of saved me during that experience because it obviously was super overwhelming having, having never experienced that type of meat before. Um, but it was really, it was, I was in such a cool position, I think, to be able just to be a sponge around so many of our country's like greatest swimmers of all time. So I think it was just a really, a really fun and obviously humbling experience for me. As cool it is, as it is to compete in the Olympics, it, it's maybe just as cool to walk in the opening ceremonies. Were you able to walk in, in the ceremonies in London or Rio? No, I didn't. I didn't actually um, walk in either because swimming is the first eight days of the games. And so most people don't know, but for opening and closing ceremonies, it's about an eight hour long ordeal. So obviously when you're getting ready for the biggest race of your life, you're not going to go and want to stand for eight hours. So most swimmers have never walked in opening ceremonies unless they swim like the last day or two of the meet. So they have like almost a full week to recover or over a full week to recover. I did stay in London for like two, two and a half weeks and um, ended up walking in closing ceremonies. I stayed with like Allison Schmidt and Shannon Breland and Haley Anderson and my sister actually stayed. And so there was a group of like six or seven girls and we all just got a little flat in London and just wanted to sightsee and tour around. And then we ended up all staying and walking in the closing ceremonies, which was really, really fun. What, what is that like? Uh, what do you remember about that whole experience of the closing ceremony? Yeah, well, Spice Girls was there, so I'm pretty sure you can't beat that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was really, really fun. You know, for me, it was so, you know, I 
to continue get, to get to know like the girls and and get to travel a little bit and just have fun with friends I think for you know obviously leading up to that point everything had like I said before had just been really intense and um so at that point you know it was just fun to to hang out together and not have to train obviously or or you know worry or have all that nervous energy and stuff built up so it was just fun and then it was so cool to have my sister stay and get to hang out with the other girls and stuff like that. What do you remember about that 200 fly finals in London? It was probably the most nervous I'll ever be in my entire life. Um, I remember like my legs could not sit still in the ready room. Like I was sitting in a chair and I remember my legs are just like bouncing off the floor. And I just remember just being so excited. Um, you know, Kathleen, I think Hershey was maybe not equally as nervous and she kind of had knew what to expect a little bit more and, or at least knew how to manage nerves better than I did at that point. But, you know, she was like, Camille, I just really think that we just need to go out there and like have fun. So she bought us these like American flag, like high knee socks just to remember um, and remind ourselves and, and us specifically like who we represented and who we were doing this for. And, um, and so that was just a really a kind of a cool thing. So we both wore them out to the blocks together, which it looked absolutely ridiculous, but you know, it like made me laugh and it made me just, um, be really, really grateful for the opportunity. And so, yeah, again, so just going back to Kathleen and, and how thankful I am for her. So even after the trials, you still get super nervous at the finals, the, the trials doesn't help at all to, to get you kind of warmed up like the And I, I, yeah. I, I mean, even the prelims, I should say as well. Yeah, I think it did. You know, it's, I mean, it's just completely different when you know it's an Olympic final, just completely different. So in the 2016 games in Rio, you had a wild few weeks. You just got married. Uh, there's a crazy scare where you almost get disqualified in the trials, <laughs> then barely make the Olympic uh, finals. <laughs> Uh, and you're in the eighth lane it, it just, everything goes nuts, but you end up making this surge to finish fourth. And I guess I should start by asking, is there anything more annoying than finishing fourth at the Olympics? <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, there was a few things that led me right into retirement. Um, obviously the DQ at trials being one of them. So for those that don't know my story, um, I was DQ'd in the prelims at trials and I'm kind of like a one hit wonder Turner butterfly is my baby race. And that was really the only chance I had at making the team. And um, so luckily the call was overturned as similar to like football where you can kind of review a play. You can review the officials call at that level of our sport. Talk about a roller coaster of emotions. This just a moment ago, Camille Adams realizing that she is not disqualified. And so as they took a closer look at it, Rowdy, they agreed with you. No infraction off the wall for Camille. They were able to pull the underwater video and and reverse the call. Um the longest eight minutes of my entire life right there. Ended up going on and making the team, which was great. I was actually elected as a team captain. So completely different experience altogether from four years earlier. So that was probably one of the biggest honors that I'll ever receive. And it was such a cool um, experience because my two best friends from the Olympic team, Allison Schmidt and then Elizabeth Beisel were also captains as well. So the three of us got to do it together. And it was just such a fun fun, you know, thing to do with the three of us all together. And then I had like a decent prelim race at the, in Rio. And then my semis race, like, wasn't that awesome. It just didn't pull it all together. You know, you don't always have reasons why races don't go as planned and they don't go like you've trained them for. And I don't really, you know, have an answer for that all the time. And I just think that, um, for me personally, I just had to, you know, suck it up and go into the final and do the absolute best I can. And, 
stick to my race strategy as much as I possibly could. Um, you know, I was used to being in the middle of the pool for the most part. And then now being in an outside lane is obviously not really where you want to be. Um, so, you know, I had done lots of mental prep work and just really, um, building my confidence up and, and just really retraining myself to really believe that I belonged in that final and that sort of thing. And then, um, I went to go get on the blocks in the Olympic final and my goggles actually broke, um, oh my goodness. which is never very much fun. So, um, ended up like I wear two caps. And so I took off my top cap and like tied my goggles on the side and then put my top cap back on and, um, actually had like the slowest first 50 that, um, I probably had in a very long time, um, which I think was good. I think it meant that I, at that point, I knew how to handle my nerves and I knew how to handle when situations don't always go your way. And I had trained for that. I had trained mentally for that. And so, you know, growing up, your coaches always say like, if your goggles break, you know, just step off the blocks, the, the starter will wait on you. They will not start the race without you. Um, and that's just what I kept telling myself. And it's what I've been told since I was eight years old. And, you know, that's exactly, you know, what I did. I just stepped back and tied my goggles up and put them back on and, and went for it. And then, um, yeah, I mean, obviously getting fourth totally sucked. I won't even lie to you. Um, not getting a medal, what well, isn't fun, you know, but I definitely was super proud of myself and going a best time in the Olympic final. Um, I was super happy with, with how, my time ended up and how I split it. And then just the journey in general was crazy to get there. And so I think through those few, few things, um, retirement just made the most sense, <laughs> made the most sense for me and where I was at. And I was really ready. Um, I actually got married right after Rio. So I got married in October and then the games ended in like August. So, um, I came home and wanted to get you know, obviously we were getting married and, um, I was just really ready to kind of do something different, just ready for that next stage of life, if you will. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking when you're done with the race, you don't always know wh where you finished. Did, did you look up and immediately see fourth or did you know when you touched the wall? I didn't know exactly where I finished, but I was pretty sure I was like third, fourth or fifth. I think we were all like pretty decently close. So I had like a good idea, but wasn't absolutely certain there's on the blocks, there's lights. And so there's a one dot light if you win and then two dots if you're second, three dots if you're third. So I looked at the block and I knew there were no lights. So I knew I didn't meddle. Um, and then that's when I looked up and, and saw forth. Can being in the eighth lane help you at all in, in that <laughs> finals or is it just yeah. bad? Oh, I think for me personally, it just, it wasn't, wasn't ideal. I'll say that. Um, but I've also like always believed that if you have a lane, then you have a shot. And Michael actually like pulled me aside and he was like, Kim, I mean, like you've trained for this, you know, you always train in the outside of the pool. You're always the just in the distance group, you know, and, um, you know, you can do this. Like this isn't out of your, you know, and he told me a story of, you know, through when in his career, when he like won a medal in, in lane eight or whatever. And I think it just was really cool for me to just, you know, see that, truly like all of team USA, we really do root for each other and, and want the absolute best for each other, both in the pool and out of the pool. And, and so I just really appreciated like that sentiment and that time that he took just to pour into me. And, um, so for me, I'm a side breather in my butterfly. So I breathe to the left and most butterflies breathe forward. It's just with my stroke, it, it just worked better for me. And so on the first and the third 50, I actually didn't see anybody, um, which is not ideal, but again, it just allowed me to, to swim my own race and stay in my own head. And yeah. 
So like the rest of the country, I fell in love with Missy Franklin in 2012, and you've been on two Olympic teams with her. What story comes to mind when you think of her either in the pool or just personally? Oh my gosh. Um, I was actually texting with her yesterday. She's, she's just such a light, I think. And, and when you really get to know her as a person, I think you kind of see all the sides of her and, and she's just, she really does want like the best for people. And, and she is the best cheerleader that you could ever want on your team and, and to have in your corner. And, um, you know, I think there's like so many of those people through the Olympics that I've made that especially during this time right now, during why we're all quarantined, um, I've really been deliberate in trying to like reconnect with some of those people that I don't always get to talk to just because life gets in the way. And so just trying to reach back out and, you know, just catch up in those kinds of things. So it's been, it's obviously this is not the situation that we're in right now is not ideal, but um, I think we've all tried to make the most of it and just try to like stay in contact with each other. Um, Missy included. You guys, it's just been sort of the same journey with the two of you because you both competed in 12 and 16. It was your first Olympics together. And so I, I imagine just, uh, you know, you, you feel like your career and her career sort of uh, coincide a lot in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Also, uh, Katie Ledecky wins the gold at just 15 years old in London. She grabs four more gold in, in Rio. You're a witness to all of that. What What was it like to sort of witness her unreal rise and, and just uh, incredible stardom as, as, a, as a young swimmer. Oh my gosh. I remember being in the stands in London and watching her. And the only thing I could think about is this girl can't even drive yet. She can't even legally drive. Um, but it was so much fun to just get to watch Katie and, and even over the years, even now just getting to like follow her journey and cheer her on. And, um, I think she also just has such a good head on her shoulders. She really is such a good role model. She's so smart and just very well poised and, and put together and makes really good decisions. And one of the hardest trainers, if not the hardest trainer that I've ever watched in the pool. And so I think it obviously shows through in her races. And I think she really enjoys the sport and truly has fun doing it. I think that also also definitely yields to why she's been one of the greatest swimmers we've ever seen. So yeah, I definitely remember watching her. I know Ryan Lochte's um, 400 IM in London was the first time I got to sing the national anthem with everybody. And there was not a dry eye in the, in our little team USA section. I remember just like that feeling. I'll never forget it. It was one of the coolest experiences for me personally, just getting, getting to watch and, and cheer every, the whole team on. I think it was so much fun. Did you get much uh, interaction with Michael Phelps over the uh, 2012 Olympics or just, uh, you know, at, at all over the, your Olympic experience? Yeah, I since I actually I'm really good friends with Allison um, Schmidt, I would go out and train with her a couple times between the 12 and 16 games. So I think I went out to visit them like three different times. So I got to train with him some and, and like Sierra Rungi and, and Allison and their whole little group, Bob Bowman. Um, was so nice and, and allowed me to go out there and just switch up my training a little bit um, and get some Arizona sun, um, which was fun as well. You know, just get to get to train with him and Chase Kalish. And, you know, there was such a good group of people and, and trainers out there. I also got to train and do some like private stuff with Missy Hyman, who is my absolute biggest hero in the sport. And um, she's kind of the first person I remember watching on TV in 2000. And when she won gold in the 200 fly, I just remember being like, that is so cool. Like I want to do that someday. Um, so getting the opportunity to also learn from her and kind of shadow her and, and train with her between the two games is also one of the coolest experiences I'll ever have. I think. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you who who did inspire you. I got a couple of uh, rapid fire questions for you. What's your favorite keepsake from the Olympics? Oh my gosh, um, probably the flags that everybody signs. So we, when you make a team, they they put all these flags out on all these tables, and every athlete gets one, and then you get a second one to like send to a coach. Um, and so I have like everyone's signatures from both Olympic games. So those are probably my favorite. Funniest member of Team USA. Oh my gosh, right, Ryan Lochte for sure. He's like, I tell everyone, he's like my little brother that I never asked for and honestly never wanted, but somehow got, and he's also older than me. Um, (laughs) But um, we just kind of have that relationship. We'd trained together my last, I guess, like almost two, two and a half years on and off. And especially my last 18 months, we trained a lot together, like just me and Rye. And so got to know each other. He's, he's definitely like one of my favorite people that I've ever got to know in life. So um, I would say he's, he's probably my funniest for me. Which athlete outside of the swimmers were you most excited to meet? Probably the basketball players, like the dream team and stuff. I think that we, they came into the village pretty much in 2012, pretty much just to meet Michael or see Michael, but we all got to like sit there and watch him like take pictures. So I think that for me personally, I think that was pretty cool. What's your favorite all-time non-Camille Olympic moment? I mean, the, the, a moment that maybe you were watching on TV as a kid or uh, that you got to see outside of swimming in 2012 or 2016? Yeah, I think definitely Ryan's like the 400 IM when he won and getting to sing the anthem for the first time. That's really the memory that like rings, rings in my head. And then I also think Katie Miley was my roommate in Charlotte when my last like 18 months. So just watching her medal and get on the stands in the Hunter breaststroke was also just one of the coolest things you know we had trained side by side even shared an apartment together we lived even breathed did everything together for the last like year and a half or so of our careers and so just watching all her efforts pay off and all her work hard work pay off was just such a cool experience too best song and favorite musician or band to get you psyched up for a swim or a workout oh my gosh um also crazy i am i listen to country music and that's pretty much it. Um, so I do like lots of country music before races. You know, I think it's, it was always different. Um, I don't remember exactly what I listened to, but it's always been country music, which is kind of odd. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, not for Texas girl, oh, not for no. a Texas girl. That, that sounds just about right. Well, the, how about the low key worst part about the Olympic experience? Oh my goodness. Um, probably just the, like, you just have to adapt. I think as you know, some days like the bus wouldn't show up. So you would have to walk and get on another bus or, you know, the bus would show up at a different spot or, you know, whatever, like the food you wanted wasn't in the dining hall. And so really just learning to just adapt. I think, um, you know, some days the pool would be empty for up and other days, every single athlete would be in the pool. And so you just really have to go with the flow. My coach at AM would always say, don't let the highs be too high or your lows be too low. And that's probably one of the biggest pieces of advice that I've taken now into my career. Even like right now, um, while we're sitting in quarantine, that has run so much in my head and just me continuously reminding myself, don't get too, too overly excited about things. But then also, you know, don't, don't let yourself, you know, get too down about things. And so I think definitely during the Olympic experience, like when there was no bus and you had to walk to the pool, you're just like, okay, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> I'll just get a couple more extra minutes of music listening. Um, uh, you know, just like, just things like that, I think, or, you know, my semis race wasn't where it was, you know, I just had to, you know, buckle back up and, and continue to look forward. Um, and so, yeah, so I think, I think that's probably one of the biggest things. Most annoying part of swimming, chlorine hair or pruny skin? 
Oh my gosh. Oh, chlorine for sure. I have super sensitive skin. So the chlorine and I always, always battled it out. Uh, I want to bring it a little bit back to Houston because in 2016, of course, Simone Manuel, another Houstonian, pretty much shocks the world with that 100 meter free gold medal. Is there any kind of special connection you have with her with the Houston bond? Yeah. I mean, we grew up swimming pretty much together. She's I think four years younger than me or three years younger than me, but, um, I grew up like knowing Simone and knowing her coaches and that sort of stuff. So our journey pretty much coincided as well. Um, and so it was really cool to watch her kind of have that breakout swim and, and just continue to get better at Stanford and with Greg over there. And I'm excited for her in 2020. I think she's going to absolutely kill it. I'm, I can't wait. Were you there for that race? Did you see her reaction when she won? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I, even before my junior butterfly, I watched pretty much like all the swimming from the stands for me personally, like that just got me excited and, and like kept me into the meet. And so, yeah, I definitely, I definitely watched and it was fun, you know, to see her family and, you know, her club coaches from when she was eight years old and, um, you know, getting to watch them on Facebook and stuff like that, I think was also just a really cool experience just to you know, how many people that we both had at home cheering for us really made, I think, the moments so much more special. Tell me a little bit about uh, Save Splash uh, before we go. Yeah. Um, So in 2016, when I retired, I taught in the public school system here in Houston for two years. So I taught one year in Cypher and then I taught my second year in HISD. I honestly, I just miss being around the pool and I just wanted a little, again, a little bit more of like a challenge and just to do something different um, than teaching. And I just didn't really feel, I always thought I was going to be a teacher my whole life. My dad was in education. And so I just thought that that's where I was going to be. And then when that didn't really fulfill me, like I thought it was going to, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, what am I going to do? What's next? And so um, the swim school, so it's a part of a franchise and I had reached out to them a little learning a little bit about what they did. And they actually had six locations in Houston for sale. And so, um, yeah, I purchased those in May of 2018. So it's almost been two years, which is crazy. And so now I tell people all the time, I really, I seriously have my dream job at 28 years old. It's teaching and swimming merged into one. Um, we teach like, you know, kids all the way up through adults. Um, my, my adult lessons are some of my favorite lessons to teach. And so it's just really fun. Um, all my schools are in gyms. So we, we call them like hosted locations. So we rent the space, which has been absolutely amazing um, way to buy, buy the business and, and learn. And that way I'm not, you know, responsible for all the pool maintenance and all those types of things on the financial side. But we are opening up my own pool probably in like January of 2021. And so um, I'm super excited about that. And I'll do, I'll be doing like lots of my own like private lessons there for higher level swimmers and club kids and that sort of thing, which I'm so stoked about. Um, cause I really do love continuing to get back to a sport that truly changed my life. And so I think it's important for me and it's also how I'm fed is just continuing to give back. And so, um, so yeah, so I'm excited for that. And, um, yeah, it's, I do, I, I'm mainly employ like high school and college age kids. And so I think I'm just have become a really good role model for them to just do some soul searching, do some digging, find out what you love in life and what you're really passionate about. And nobody has to work a job that's just nine to five and they just get a paycheck and they come home and they do it again the next day. Um, you can find something that you love and that you enjoy and that fills you. Um, cause I found it. And so, yeah, it's been fun. 
can people go to the website and, and do anything right now as we're, you know, all stuck in our, in, in our uh, places and, and that, that kind of thing? Yeah, you can absolutely still enroll in our classes. Um, obviously, we're not like in lessons right now, but people can still enroll for like future dates. Um, just go to safesplush.com. And then um, my six locations are right there in the Houston drop down. Last thing I just got to ask you is the Olympics, uh, obviously, they've been moved to 2021. What is it going to be like for you, do you think, when you watch it and you're not there just kind of looking on as an observer again? Yeah, I think we might try to go to the trials. We were going to try to go this year. Um, I've had a couple of things lined up to do there, but I think we'll probably definitely at least try to go for a couple of days in 2021 um, to the trials. And then obviously we will not be going to Tokyo. Um, we're just still taking a little break um, from that high level swimming. I would love to go to the Olympics again someday and, and sit in the stands and get to experience it that way. But I just don't think I'm quite ready for it yet. Um, but I am so excited for Team USA and, and to be able to watch. And I absolutely plan on hosting watch parties and all that fun stuff. Just to be able to to watch, you know, people that I grew up swimming with and have continued to watch and be excited about for four years or five years, I guess. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, so I definitely, I'm, I'm still super excited and, and ready to cheer on Team USA. So you're not going to be a little bit weird about watching it on TV, you think, in, in Tokyo? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, I've still been watching. I watch like all the pro swims and, and all that stuff. Um, we have a group of like... A&M Summers that I stay in contact with and we're constantly just talking swimming um, when meets are going on and such. And so, um, so no, I'm, I'm super excited to watch it and it's going to be really fast and Team USA is just continuing obviously to get faster and, and get better. And so, yeah, no, I don't think it'll be weird for me. I think I'm ready for it. Well, thank you for all the great moments that you, you gave us and your teams gave us over the last couple Olympics. And uh, just thanks for doing this. Really appreciate you coming on. Of course. On. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful. And look at Adams pulling ahead of Bayer after that final turn. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.